0: Welcome to the Unitarian First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Very glad you're here. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. We extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. We're glad you're here. We invite you to enjoy stimulating coffee, conversation, and fellowship, there you go, after the service in House and Hall. We come from a religious tradition which believes that there is a spark of the divine in each person. In that spirit, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please join me in saying our chalice-lighting words. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find,
1: and to share. Good morning, I'm Dwayne Wyndham, and today's call of worship is found in the back of your hymnal, number 605. Oh, how great is the divine moral law in humanity, vast and illimitable, it gives birth and life to all created things. It towers high up to the very heavens, how wonderful and great it is. All the institutions of human society and civilization, laws, customs, and usage have their origin there.
0: When someone asks you curiously, Unitarian Universalist Church, what are you guys all about? You may tell them what we say together every week. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and to do justice.
1: May it be so. As we approach the season of Christmas, because we love Christmas so much, we often end up passionately disagreeing about Christmas, about those little things, natural versus artificial tree opening up Christmas present, Christmas Eve, or Christmas morning. Of course, there's always that one uncle who's a tea partier. And so, this reading has a special meaning to me, and I will carry it with me. Bless us with peace. Number 636 in your hymnal, if you're following along. O source of peace, bless us with peace. A peace profound and true. Lead us to a healing, to mastery of all that drives us to war, within ourselves and with others. May our deeds inscribe us in the book of life and blessing, righteousness and peace. O source of peace, bless us with peace. What
0: is it about disagreeing that is so? Agreeable. Some of that goes back to the families we grew up in. In some families, disagreement is seen as an attack. Punishment will come down. If not now, then later, perhaps indirectly. Disagreeing in some families is against the set of rules that uh, family therapists call the family treaty. A family treaty makes a family feel unified and secure, and any violation of the family treaty shakes the foundation of the family. And among the things that most family treaties have written in them or unwritten in them is that the way this family does things is the way it's supposed to be done. And so whenever two people come together in a marriage or partnership, they're coming from two different cultures and two different ways of doing things, and there is a sneaking suspicion that your partner or your spouse is somehow um, wrong. Even fundamentally wrong, some, even dangerously, dangerously wrong. Each family's treaty is a powerful force in their lives forever, forever. Even if you have insights about what your family treaty is, you still, if you break it, it feels like you've broken a taboo. You get this feeling of formless dread and guilt. Oh. They're going to get me. Doesn't even matter if they've all passed on somehow. And the family treaty covers things like emotion, discipline, food, drinking, um, money, how you deal with in laws, how you deal with anger. In some families, anger is okay. Uh, In fact, in some families, it's the only emotion that's allowed. Um, and sometimes it's only allowed to one person <laughs> in the family and nobody else. But you can tell, you know, if a, if a person has not been allowed anger, they'll say things like, I'm not angry, I'm hurt. I'm not angry, I'm frustrated, I'm just frustrated. What things are sayable and what things are unsayable? Can you say... Um, Oh, dad's excited because his girlfriend called? If your mom's still there? No. Can you say, oh, mom's uh, passed out on the couch again? No. You say mom's not feeling well. Every family um, has things that you're not allowed to notice. And when you are a guest of such a family or if you are marrying into such a family or if you're the partner in such a family then you learn pretty quickly which things are allowed and which things are not allowed. Because if you transgress, which you do, um, not knowing, because nobody's going to say, oh, by the way, here's the family treaty. Uh, learn it. When you transgress, you can tell because the temperature in the room drops. And people act as if they're deer frozen. And they don't usually actually gasp. but they may as well. So, disagreeing is something that's covered by the family treaty. Here's how we do it in our family. And some families uh, love disagreeing. You know, they'll sit around the dinner table and they'll say, oh, you know, it took me such a long time to get to South Austin yesterday, and they were like, well, you went wrong. You should have gone 35. You shouldn't have gone Lamar, and Lamar is always a traffic jam. You can't, no, no, that's wrong. You know, and you'll have if you are on a bus in the land of Israel, for example, um, and you ask anybody for directions, you will get 45 opinions from everybody on the bus. People don't zone out in Israel because you might get blown up at any moment. And so, um, so if you're a traveler and you go, excuse me, how do I get to such and such? The bus driver will say, well, you know, you take a right down here, and then you go left, and then you, oh. and uh, someone from the front will go oh, no, Ali, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. You're taking her the wrong way. And and then other people will chime in, and um, it's quite fun. Other families, you have to disagree sideways. Um, And a sideways disagreement is like, uh, teenagers are perfect at this, real excellent at this. You go, you know, it's really just rude to be late. You should leave now. And the teenager goes, whatever. That's sideways. And sometimes people are good at disagreeing while they look like they're agreeing. Um, you'll say something and they'll go, uh-huh. And then they'll look to the person to their right and go... Roll their eyes. Or they'll wait till they're out in the parking lot later and go, can you believe what he said? Oh, my goodness. Some families shame you when you disagree. They go oh, you don't think that. As if a person of your obvious caliber and intelligence could not possibly believe that, Uh, which is, of course, different from what the intelligent and non-dangerous people in the family believe. Uh, In my family, one of the techniques of disagreeing was to to do that little, oh, you don't think that thing, and then um, to just talk at you with uh, calmly with love and Bible verses Um, until you just gave up because you were just so tired of being talked to. You just go like, okay, okay, just give me some rest, whatever. Some people uh, call names when they disagree. They accuse you of, you go, oh, you're so emotional. That's so emotional. That's uh, oh, that's so rigid. That's so cold. That's oh, there you go with your logic again. Some of us state our disagreements mildly and expect people to read the passion between the lines, and other people build noisy, dramatic arguments and and wave their hands around and raise their voices. I when I um got married in my early 20s, my husband came from a family who, who when they were passionate about something, they leaned in and they raised their voices and did this with their hands. And I always thought I was getting yelled at, which didn't go over very well. And um, then I found out it was just engagement, a way of engaging. So um, in my family, yes, so what I did was I would get very logical, which you can go just as wrong logically as you can emotionally, I just want to say. It depends on your premise, but you can go from A to B to C impeccably and still get to the wrong D. So um, since we come to our workplaces and to our families and to our churches from such different family backgrounds, whenever we're in a committee, a working group or a team or whatever, we come across lots of different styles of doing it, you know. And we we still, because people come to church, not just in their grown-up um, selves, their adult uh, ego strength, a lot of people come to church with a very childlike hope that this will be a place that will finally feed their soul and transform their lives, which is Wonderful. And yet, um, sometimes it makes people disagree from a more ancient place than they would at work. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, when you're on a committee, especially when it has to do with one of the big things like money or um, how the children should behave or how things should look, um, I've known churches torn apart over um, slate versus vinyl in the sanctuary floor. Um, that was not a UU church, but you're finding people who are doing their best from their own, in their own family's style. So what do you do? How do you do it? How do you disagree with people passionately, but peacefully? So not saying, "Oh, we must never disagree, because that's not kind. No, if you're in a congregation and if everybody is breathing in and out and if you're trying to do something, get something done, you're going to have conflict and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You can have conflict in the wrong way, but just having conflict doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. So here's what you do. Number one, you keep breathing. Nothing will fall apart if you don't answer right away. Keep breathing. This way gets oxygen to your brain. You think better when you keep breathing. Number two, try not to carry on the disagreement by email. (laughs) When you're in your own living room in your little jammies and your slippers, you somehow don't have the same hmm, limiters on your behavior that you do when you're out in public in your um, public clothes. Three, acknowledge, acknowledge what kind of situation you're in. You don't have to pretend that this is not a conflict. You go, Woo, this, this is a hot situation. Wow, this is really, um, we have a lot of passion here. We're talking about some difficult things. It's okay to do that. It doesn't mean you're taking it too lightly. You're taking it seriously. You go, "This is a this is a big deal for me and it's a big deal for you apparently." And so, let's um let's talk. And when you talk, it's good to stay on the topic at hand. It's good when you both um on either side of the dialogue, when you each agree on what the topic at hand is. Number 1. And if you stay on the topic at hand, number 1, there's a uh, There's what was done, there's the disagreement content, and then there's the disagreement process. You know what I'm talking about? It's the disagreement and then how the disagreement is done. And if you're talking about the disagreement itself, then you talk about that. Stay on the topic at hand. And if you're talking about the process, stay on that topic. And it's easy to get them mixed up, and then you're talking about two different things at the same time, and everybody gets overwhelmed and mad and stressed out and confused. You with me? I know this is a scary thing to talk about right here, isn't it? I feel everybody kind of going, what's she going to say? And then try to remember that a disagreement is not an attack. It's just a disagreement. It's really no big deal. People look at things different ways. And that's something that's hard to remember because a lot of us grew up in families or are in partnerships where closeness and sameness get mixed up. And people go, um, in, in my growing up family, classical music was the thing. Um, everybody loved classical music, didn't we? And, um, and I do, kind of. But uh, I also love a lot of other kinds of music that are, in my family, trashy. I like hip hop. I like rap. I like country. I I like music and um and there's a of it's not a lack of understanding. It's um kind of a bemused tolerance which just takes a person off. Um and so, uh, Kaya and I were at our family um gathering uh, just last year and we were t- and my um my dad was talking about how odd it was that uh, people in the Arab world didn't seem to like Western classical music. Just odd. And I said, flippantly, which is my downfall, um, Daddy, nobody likes that kind of music. And then his other grown daughter said, my my half-sister said, well, studies show that 12% of people like it. I said, okay, I stand corrected. That's, That's wonderful to know. And isn't that what I just said? Anyway... So sometimes uh, sameness feels like the same as closeness, and if you differ on something, uh, then it feels like a threat to the closeness of the family. If you find yourself thinking, you cannot see this any other way, come on, take a deep breath, and try to imagine how you could see it another way. We have family members who own guns. And I have to work on seeing it their way. Yeah, you own guns. In fact, I I, I worked a little too hard on it, and then I started wanting a gun. You know? <laughs> and then Kaya had to say, no. Start from the position that there might be be more than one way to look at something, even, and this is different, that there might be more than one way to do something, more than one way to run a meeting, more than one way to handle relationships, more than one way to look at a family, more than one way. Be as specific and concrete in your suggestions as possible. This sounds weird, but working as a therapist, I noticed that um, many couples would say, I just need more support. And support is the kind of word where you don't really know what it means. And Or I just need more love. And okay, but what, what does that mean? I had a couple and the woman was saying, I just want a little more love. And I said, what would that look like? And she said, for example... When I get home from work, I want him to give me a kiss. And he said, baby, I do give you a kiss. And she went, oh, a little little peck on the cheek. That's not a kiss. I said, what kind of kiss do you want? She said, I want a real kiss. I want a kiss on the lips. I looked at him. I said, can you do that? He goes, like, sure. <laughs> I said to her, how long do you want this kiss to last? And she thought, at least five seconds. Can you do that? Sure. Okay. So now she's got more love. (laughs) Not everything is solved that easily. My aunt and uncle fought for years about the size of their family. She wanted a small family. He wanted a big family. Small family, big family, small family. Finally, someone said... What is a big family to you? Well, I came from four kids. I want a big family like six. What's a big family to you? Well, I came from 13 kids. I want a small family like six. (laughs) A good question for most situations when you're asking somebody to change is, uh, what would happen if? What would happen if, even when you're teaching a kid to tie shoes, what would happen if we just looped this around and tied it like that? And then you're not necessarily saying, which is not bad, um, this is how you do it. Because there are a couple ways to tie shoes, I think, too. And um, so what would happen if? What would happen if we each wrote down what we spent and then compared um, notes at the end of the day and then kept track of our spending that way? What would happen if we pulled 10% of everything we make and put it in a savings account, just first off, without even uh, doing anything else first? What would happen if you were to treat me with uh, respect and kindness before you asked me for the car keys? Of course, two can play at that game, and then your teenager learns that game, and then they start going, you know. What would happen if you let me... Stay out till 2 o'clock. Say your piece, and then leave it alone. That's very hard. Because many of us, especially the extroverts in the bunch, many of us have this tremendous faith in words. And we think, if I just say it one more time, they will see the light. If I just say it a different way, obviously they disagree, because they didn't understand what I was saying. So let me explain it a little more. Until you agree. See, sometimes can, people can actually understand what you're saying. And disagree with you. Very important to keep in mind. Um, speak for yourself. I had one couple in my office and she was like, everybody's laughing at you for doing this. Like, it's mm, not really fair. Everybody's laughing at you? No. Uh, everybody thinks that's stupid. No. Speak for yourself. I don't like it when you do this. And then she hit him over the head with her raincoat, which is really not okay. Just saying. Um, here's the biggest key to disagreeing passionately but peacefully, and that is ask questions. Ask questions. Tell me more about what you think. Help me understand. Help me understand how you got to this position. How does this feel to you? What are the strengths of this position to you? What is this touch in you? What, if anything, do you feel uncomfortable with about this? Here's what feels uncomfortable to me. Can you help me with that? Does that make sense? Just asking question after question after question until um, really, you know what Stephen Covey says, of course, the big cliche is, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Same thing. Because if you ask a person enough questions and if they feel heard enough, often you will get to the nub of the disagreement and then you can deal with that rather than trying to deal with everything. All right. What the I Ching says to do when there's a disagreement, and I love the I Ching. It's a wonderful scripture. It says, um, search your own heart for whether you're doing this correctly. Then go to the person and say, I have trouble with this between us, and then if the person doesn't change their behavior, um, disengage from them for a while, disengage from incorrect behavior, all the while making sure your own behavior is correct. So you disengage until the behavior becomes correct again, and then reengage without going, oh, you're trouble, I know you're going to just make trouble again, you're just going to make me mad again. That's really hard. The I Ching calls that bringing a lawsuit. You bring a lawsuit against someone when you lose hope that they'll change. Unfortunately, very easy to do. This congregation has a covenant of healthy relations because, you know, I say if someone is behaving incorrectly, um, you go, well, that changes from culture to culture. What's incorrect behavior and why are you saying it that way anyway? Well, saying it because that's a translation from the Chinese. And um, And this congregation worked very hard on parsing out what it wants to put forward as ideal behavior in the Covenant of Healthy Relations, and it addresses disagreement. It says, we want to keep communication with one another direct, honest, and respectful in a spirit of compassion, love, and trust. Now, you guys might want to change that. It might be too hard, but you set yourself a pretty hard uh, job. You want to disagree in a spirit of compassion, love, and trust. Um, you want to make the church a safe place to express your deepest fears and your greatest joys. And you want to forgive yourself and others when you fall short of expectations, showing good humor and the optimism required. That's what the Yi Ching was talking about, not bringing a lawsuit, and the optimism required for moving forward and calling ourselves back into covenant. You guys have started working on this because historically this church has had some pretty feisty. Uh, pretty destructive disagreements, as every church has had. You guys are not unique in that way. I'm sure unique in many ways. (laughs) That'll be another sermon. And we want to remember our principles. Every person has worth and dignity. We trust the democratic process. We support each other in a responsible search for truth and meaning, no matter how wrong they're being. (laughs) Um, That's not in there. I just put that in there. And you may want to meditate on the Hindu namaste, which means the divinity in me salutes the divinity in you. So I want to teach you a song right here at the end of my sermon. I didn't write this song. A friend of mine did. And it goes like this. It's a call and response song, so it's easy to learn, because I sing it, and then you sing it right back to me. You ready? The words are, you may be... One last spark we all need to light the whole world. You may be one last spark we all need to light the whole world. Um, so, it goes like this. You may be, you may be, be one be. last spark, one last spark, we all need, we all need. To light, the whole world. to light the whole world. Yes. So let's first time we sing it to ourselves, because you might be the last spark. Who knows? You may be, you may be one last spark. One last spark. we all need. We all need to light the whole world. To light the whole world. Yes. And now sing it to somebody you love. Got him in mind? You may, be you may be one last spark, one last spark. we all need, we all need to, light the whole world. to light the whole world. Yes. And now sing it to, uh, for somebody that you feel. Kind of neutral about it. take them or leave them. Don't look around. Just pick out somebody. You may be, you may be one last spark. One
1: last spark.
0: We, all need we all need to light the whole world. world. Oh, yes. All right, now, final exam time. You pick out somebody uh, who's hurt you or against whom you have a resentment. Again, don't look around. (laughs) Very important at this stage of the process if you don't have anybody in mind, again, as I often say to you, pick out a politician of some sort, if that's the kind of person who gets your blood boiling, TV preacher, newscaster, who knows. Here we go. You may be, you may be, one last spark, one last spark, we all need, we all need, To light the whole world. To light the whole world. To light the whole world. world. Mm Mm-hmm. After we listen to the beautiful postlude, we will go out into the world. It is my hope that you have been nourished somewhat here. It is my hope that you have been blessed by the words or by the singing or by the music by the meditation by the by the beautiful light of the candles. As we go out into the world as spiritual or spirited people, may we feel continuously for the fountain of blessing that is within each one of us. May we clear away debris, weeds, dirt, and let the spring just flow. And may it flow over everyone we meet. So we are not only blessed, we are also a blessing. May it be so. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu dot O R G